Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and of course, there's all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can do that by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, reminder, I'm lying to you on Facebook whenever you see hashtag Facebook approved takes. Know that I am lying, right? Uh, Because that's what Facebook wants. Uh, They want lies in their platform. So I aim and guess in my own special way to give it to them. You can also find out what I really think on social media platforms like Parler, MeWe, Gab, and Getter. You can also find clips of the show that are free of censorship and free to watch at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Our friend and colleague Daniel Horowitz sent me a video uh, the other day uh, that I sat down to watch. Finally had the time. And I will tell you, um, I'm enraged. I'm listening to a man's story. He's doing a podcast with a rabbi. And he's telling the story of how he could not get the hospital to treat his wife with anything other than a ventilator for COVID. And she was dying. And this went on for several days. Uh, He went to the head administrator of the hospital. No one would treat his wife. And finally, um, he got an immediate injunction for the hospital to administer an ivermectin cocktail after five days of this. And she's hanging by a thread. Within a few days, she feels instantly better. Not out of the woods yet, but she's alert, up and about. And then on appeal, he lost. And they took the treatment away and wouldn't do it. And the doctor that wrote the script in the hospital warned him before the appeal uh, hearing, um, we're running out of allies here. They're coming after me, basically. They're threatening my license if I don't testify the way that they want. So he wouldn't back him up on the appeal, and the judge ruled in favor of the hospital, and he's now buried his wife. That should be a capital punishment crime. That's cold-blooded first-degree murder. The people who executed that, every last one of them, should be executed. That is cold-blooded murder. Capital murder. If we are not indeed living in the end times, then we will 
at some time. C, that what was done here with early treatment denial for COVID, particularly where the ivermectin cocktail comes into play, will be considered one of the most barbaric periods in all of American medical history, world medical history, really. In 1928, Alexander Fleming came up with the idea that within molds, we could find the ability to push back on bacterial infections. If they had Twitter back then, hashtag mold paste would have absolutely been trending in mockery and scorn of Alexander Fleming. Less than a century later, he is considered perhaps the greatest medical trailblazing pioneer since Hippocrates came up with the oath. If we are not living in the end times, the time will come that this will be considered what was done here with denying of early treatment, particularly the ivermectin cocktail, but there's others, will be considered among the most barbaric acts in all of the history of medicine. Unfortunately, a lot more people are going to have to die before that happens. A lack of courage plus mass compliance equals more tyranny. We have the tyranny we are willing to tolerate. We have the tyranny we are willing to comply with. If your child is masked today at a school in a face diaper, it is not the school board's fault. It is not a judge's fault. It's yours and other parents like you. It's your fault. You have complied. You did it. Own it. I don't have time to pet you. I don't have time to coddle you. Forgive my abrasiveness. No, don't. Because I listened for 45 minutes this morning to a grieving husband who buried his wife because he was surrounded by cowards. Do not be upset that the L.A. County Health Department declared the Emmys a a maskless, COVIDless, safe environment. Don't be mad. Spirit of the age is as spirit of the age does. Be mad instead at all the people that got mad about it that live in L.A. County but still slapped a face diaper on their kindergarten to go to school the next day. Be mad at them. It's their fault. It's their fault. There is something about us as a species. You want a virus? Here's one. Whatever infected Adam that made him stand there that day passively in the garden with a shrug and a what me worry as evil entered into the world. And ever since particularly among the men, we have this need to just 
count the cost of a righteous action rather than the cost of not doing so. And we wait and we wait and we wait. You know, World War II could have been completely averted. Hitler had sent his one one outfitted regiment into the Rhineland to test the Treaty of Versailles. And the far more, far more equipped and better trained French soldiers, soldiers who were presiding over it basically cut and ran. Giving Adolf Hitler, the new premier of Germany, the political clout that he needed to show his people that he would restore their nationalistic pride. When he could have just been pimp slapped right there and we all would have been done with it. But nope. And we do this every time as a species. We will wait. We will wait. We'll wait. It's too expensive. It's too costly to take a stand. It's too costly. Until the time comes that we have no choice. And that's when the cost is the absolute highest. So I open this morning with glad tidings of great joy for everyone within the sound of my voice. If you are unsure with whether you have the courage to stand up to this, with whether you have the voice to say no to this, oh, be of good cheer, because you're all going to find out. Coming up on the show today, looking forward to this next hour. It's been too many months. Dr. Ryan Cole will join us to give us his view on what's going on with the virus, the vaccines, policy, etc. I don't know of anybody that has examined more samples of coronavirus than Dr. Ryan Cole has. So we will talk to him coming up next hour. Also, for fake news or not, I've got some vaccine data that I would like to see if Todd and Aaron can make any sense out of whatsoever because it does, to me, it makes absolutely no sense at all. Like, none. It doesn't make any sense. We'll share that with you and try to see what is fake news or not when we discuss that here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Good News. We'll start with this. 33 years ago, Ohio woman Melanie Presley found herself with an unexpected pregnancy at the age of 18. She decided to choose life and gave her baby up for adoption, a boy likely never to see him again. For 33 years, this photo, taken the day after the child was born, was the only thing she had left of her child until now. With the help of a DNA test, Presley found her long-lost adopted son, Greg Vossler of Winchester, Virginia. The mother and son met each other for the first time this past June. Then there are these two Indiana boys who were riding their bikes recently when they saw a military funeral procession winding through their town. Instead of continuing to ride their bikes, the boys stopped, stood at attention, arms behind their backs, and paid their respects to the fallen veteran. A 13-year-old boy in Wisconsin is being hailed as a hero after reportedly saving not one, not two, not three, but four of his little sisters from a large house fire that could have easily turned deadly. Briar Omar's parents had only just left their home to get dinner for the family one recent Monday evening when one of his sisters noticed the playpen was on fire. 
Breyer tells WCCO-TV. My sisters, that was the first thing I thought of. And I just knew I needed to get him out of the house. The family had talked about what to do in an emergency. He got his sisters to safety and thought he could save the house too, using a fire extinguisher. And it went up in bigger flames and I just couldn't breathe, I couldn't see and then I almost collapsed and then that's when I felt my dog rub against me and I grabbed her and she led me out the doors. Mandy, the dog, and Briar got out in time for their parents to pull up to the home. On the West Coast, patients at the Coastal Fertility Medical Center in Irvine, California have been receiving some good news in a very unique way. Dr. Lawrence Worland and his team have made IVF lab test calls a group effort by notifying new moms and dads with those boisterous announcements. You're pregnant! I don't know. Congratulations, guys. Teachers at Unity Grove Elementary in Georgia took note recently of the school's custodial worker, Chris Jackson, who'd fallen on hard times and had taken to walking an hour both ways to his job at the school. So the teachers decided to help. Teachers at Unity Grove Elementary School helped raise money to buy Chris Jackson a car and they surprised him at work. His reaction was priceless. The school got together and we raised the rest of the money and it's yours. There is a God. <laughs> oh, my stars. Thank you. Thank you all. I thank you all. Jackson told Fox News. I thought, I would say when they was like, they needed help. That's all I could think was, okay, all right, these women need help. It's something heavy. So that's all I could think of. But once we got outside and all of it unfolded, that's when I was really looking like, oh, so I was looking at my car the whole time. I was like, oh, that was nice, though. It was a blessing. A group of Marines in their dress blues were riding together on a bus when they noticed a stranded motorist on the Columbia Pike in Virginia during some recent flooding there. Oh, we're, we just got stuck. As you can see, the Marines in their aforementioned dress blues got off the bus and pushed the driver to safety. And finally, a word about the human ear. The ear is made up of three parts, the external, middle, and inner divisions. The external ear, those weird folds of skin and cartilage on every person's head, actually have those weird shapes in order to not only protect the middle ear, but to enhance our hearing by as much as 10 decibels in the 2000 hertz range, which happens to be the frequency needed the most for understanding human speech. The middle ear features the smallest bones and the two smallest muscles in the human body. Those two small muscles, when confronted with a loud noise, contract and hold the ossicular chain in more rigid positions. This serves to buffer the intensity of sound wave transmission to the cochlea. If we didn't have this, every louder sound would become deafening. And finally, there's the internal ear composed of the cochlea and the vestibular system. Those two systems work in tandem to do something miraculous. They convert sound wave energy into mechanical energy, which is then converted into hydraulic energy in the cochlea. And finally, that hydraulic energy is converted into electrical or neural energy that is then transported to the brain. And they're doing all of these conversions in milliseconds every single waking moment of our lives from what we perceive as sound. The sound of a baby crying, a loved one laughing, or this mother in an assisted living facility dealing with Alzheimer's, and her son singing a song as they've long done since he was a small boy, 
Just this time, they did it on camera. I am a poor wayfaring pilgrim While traveling through this world below There is no sickness, cold or danger In that bright land to which I go I'm going there Golden fields lie up before me, where weary eyes no more shall be. I'm just going over Jordan. I am just going over home. And those are some good things that happened while we were away. Hmm. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Sweat Block. You never know, just because fall begins tomorrow, cooler weather has arrived here, uh, thankfully, in the Midwest. You never know, though, when when those sweat glands could kick into overdrive. It could be nerves, anxiety about public speaking, a first date, a job interview. Could just be you're a really good sweater, but now's not the good time for that to happen. That's why you want to check out Sweat Block. It is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night, right before bedtime, right before you go to bed. Get up the next morning and take a shower, do everything you normally do. You should be good for several days. Uh, sometimes people just use one or two of these even during the course of a week. And then they have other products out there that I've tried as well, uh, like the uh, deodorant, which is fantastic. Uh, that definitely, even when it is hot outside, uh, stands up against the summertime heat. Uh, there is uh, deodorant lotions for the, those more sensitive uh, nether regions, etc. So no more pitting out, no more picking out shirts based on what will hide your sweat more effectively. Uh, get the confidence and self-assuredness from Sweat Block and get 20% off today with the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, when you go to sweatblock.com. Promo code DACE when you go to sweatblock.com. All right, so Aaron, I got to ask, what prompted you to put that together here today? I'm really, really sick of just. I did that just so you know. I, I didn't do that for all of you. I did that for me. No, I'm. I just felt like we needed a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a pick me up, a little bit of a, an escape, a reminder that the Imago Day still is within all of us. I have no idea. What all of those people in that montage, featured in that montage, think about the virus, nor do I care. I mean, the Marines, they didn't care right then at that moment when they got out in the floodwaters and pushed that lady. I have no idea what the the old woman with Alzheimer's and her son, I have no idea, don't really care, because that was all the good, the true, and the beautiful. And sometimes we got to be reminded of that. Thank you for that reminder. Um. Watching, watching that video this morning. Watching the latest Project Veritas video last night from the woman working for the Department of Health and Human Services, the nurse. 
and the video she has taken of the of the one of the lead clinicians admitting much of the scam and everything that is going on when she doesn't know she's being taped. Uh, I saw this video in uh, last night. I started watching it. We had our monthly poker night with me and a bunch of my old friends. And I was out early in one of the hands and began watching this. And I, I just, I, I really struggled to focus the rest of the night. I made a bunch of mistakes I don't typically make. I just enraged watching this video and enraged all the more watching the video that Daniel sent me from the husband who just buried his wife. And I know it may seem like my rage was an odd segue to uh, your light shine there, but I think they actually work together because that what 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 I think you just shared there, Aaron, are examples of why we push back against this, why we stand up against this. It it's because. We do not want to see the darkness overcome the light. And right now, whether they understand it or know it, willfully or not, is irrelevant. Too many of the people making too many of the decisions in this world are ambassadors of the darkness. Flat out. Flat out. And what I also liked about your montage is, is it, is it compassion that overcomes the darkness or is it courage? And the answer is yes. Todd, do you have any thoughts? Well, this is what we talk about. That montage was hope. And again... From the beginning of COVID until now, and it's only getting worse, you're not allowed to hope according to the rules of those Steve just told you are in charge. Of course, yes, they are doing the work of darkness. And increasingly, and it's clear, it's not by accident. It's not uh, the road to hell is even paid with good intentions. Again, as Steve wrote in a column recently, the lie is the point. The lie to them is victory over order, over the good, the true, and the beautiful. They want the chaos, just like the devil wanted in the garden. Did God really say, this is it? I can't stress that enough. And it's from, they keep parroting it back at us. This, the, the experts know, the experts know. If that's not sending a chill down your spine at this point, because the experts, again, and we told uh, we told you about the uh, release of Fauci and Booster. Steve's going to tell you about the failure of experts to the point of genocide, and what was crafted to lead us out of that darkness and ensure it never happened again. But whoops! While people are still breathing from that era, they are choosing the exact same darkness. There is nothing new under the sun. Choose now whom ye will serve. 
and just uh, <clears throat> to add to that, <clears throat> I did that, uh, excuse me, I did that uh, partially because I thought we we all needed a, a little bit of a pick-me-up, but also um, to draw the conclusion of, of what you just said is that, you know, I, I don't, I don't pretend to know what was going on in the minds of the the many many tens of thousands of soldiers in World War II on foreign soil, having their lives threatened every single day, or or any any clearly defined war against good evil, good guys, bad guys. I, I have to imagine though though what what kept some of those individuals going was the thought of returning home, finishing the mission so that they could return home. What keeps you going in a war is not the thought of the war itself, or at least that can only take you so far. Um, Cursing the darkness will only take you so far. You have to be kept driven by by the good things, by hope, what Todd just said. If you want a a fictional example, uh, Frodo and Sam, always talking about the Shire, even in the midst of, of, of the shadow of, of Mount Doom, driven along by that memory of going back home. We, we have to have those memories, and we have to have some of the good and some of the things to hope about to keep us going. Otherwise, it just, we all, we all get to that dark place, and it's, uh, you start staring at the darkness, and the darkness starts staring back. We can't, we can't let ourselves do that. Very, very, very well said. So on a somewhat less um, uh, metaphysical level from what we have currently described, but also something that I do think on a very small level will help brighten your day. And what it promises to be the most awkward segue I've ever made to a live read. But chocolate chip cookie dough built bars are back. Take advantage now while supplies last. The absolute greatest flavor of the greatest flavored protein bar of all time. This is their magnum opus. All right. Take full advantage of it right now. If you want to, you know, get a couple boxes, get a box of the chocolate chip cookie dough and then get a box of their variety everyday stuff with mint brownie, peanut butter brownie. Uh, cookies and cream, et cetera, you can do that too. But definitely take advantage of the chocolate chip cookie dough. It's out now. But you know, while supplies last, because this is a very, very popular flavor, I know. I've got four boxes of it sitting in my garage fridge as we speak. All right, so promo code is DACE, D-E-A-C-E, to get 15% off your order at Built.com for Built Bar. Built.com, B-U-I-L-T is where to go. Take advantage of the return of chocolate chip cookie dough, uh, built.com, greatest protein bar of all time, and get 15% off uh, with the promo code DACE at built.com. Um, the conversation we're going to have the rest of this show is I'm going to attempt as best as I can, not being an expert being a a layman who has largely had to be educated on some functional level in real time in just the last 18, 19 months on this stuff and never really thought or had the need nor luxury nor time to think that in depth about it prior to March of 2020. 
but I'm I'm going to try to 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 be as brutally honest as I can without being reckless because I also don't want to you know we're dealing with our individual health here. I don't want to have my reach exceed my grasp. I don't want to outkick my coverage here. But given some of the data we're going to be showing you here in a few minutes after this next break, some real questions need to be asked. Because I feel looking at some of this vaccine data around the world, the way I felt after I read the Imperial College model for the second time. Meaning, I may not understand immunology, biology, virology at the level of those who put this model together. But I understand logic, reason, argumentation, and philosophy at a very high level. Those are, those are my expert subjects. And I think over the years I've proven to be fairly functional with those topics. Is that fair? Sure. Even in some rather hostile environments? For sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can spot a fallacy when I see one. And boy, howdy. I spot several fallacies here. So we're going to look at this data before we bring Dr. Ryan Cole on next hour. I'm going to try to ask him, now that I have more detailed data, I think I've got more poignant questions to ask him to try to get as many answers from him in the half an hour almost that we have him as I possibly can. And then we're going to spend the back end of the show just kind of decompressing from that conversation and what it is or isn't that Dr. Cole says next hour. All right? Put your thinking caps on. You're going to need them the rest of the way. Stay tuned. Get to fake news or not here on the Steve Day Show, brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock. Don't find out the hard way how much equity you truly have in your home when you go to use it, access it. It's your investment. You've earned it. And then it's not there. Cyber crimes are alerting homeowners about it. It is called home title theft. Here's how it works. Uh, first, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Next, they pull your home's online title forge your signature stating you sold your home to them and then take out home or take out loans against your equity and often you won't find out that this has happened to you until it is too late you go to get that equity or you go to the mailbox one day and late payment notices maybe even a foreclosure notice is sitting there uh, waiting for you unfortunately you're not covered by your homeowner's insurance or your mortgage lender but You can be protected by our friends at Home Title Lock. And right now, if you register your address to see if you're already a victim, you can receive a complete home title history for your home for free. That is normally a $100 value. They're offering you that that complete title history today for free when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. All right. Put your thinking caps on. We're going we're gonna to try to have as absolutely as blunt of a conversation as the three of us 
along with our guest next hour, Dr. Ryan Cole, are, are intellectually equipped to have. Because some things don't make sense. My, my dear Hamlet, something smells rotten in the state of Denmark, and you'll be seeing Denmark here in a moment. But let's let the data, let's let the numbers speak for themselves. We're going to let the numbers, the data, set the scene here before we start asking questions. Because I, I, I promise you, this data is going to beg some questions. Let us begin. And let us begin with Israel, where over 80% of adults are vaccinated with Pfizer fully. Now, Israel, to me, is an excellent place to mine data from. They're one of the most transparent countries in the world. It's also a densely popu- heavily densely populated country. Also has one of the youngest populations in terms of median age in the uh, technologically advanced world. And they've only used one vaccine there. So, I mean, this is, this is a Petri dish for mining data. And Israel, where over 80% of adults are fully vaccinated with Pfizer alone, has 130% more cases and 56% more deaths than this time last year. Let's look at seasonality, because that argument has been presented. And there's a lot of evidence for the seasonality of COVID. We see it in our own country. So, for example, in the Midwest and Northeast, when it's colder than a witch's nipple, right, we have our seasons when everybody goes indoors and is vitamin D deficient. And then down south in the Sun Belt, when it's, uh, when it's you know, um, hot enough to fry an egg on a sidewalk, all right, everybody goes indoors, vitamin D deficient, and that's when they have their seasonality, which they're coming out of now, right? Okay. There is some evidence for seasonality, sure. But then explain this to me. Let's look at the Nordic countries. All of them are out of season right now, all right? Here are their current numbers with COVID compared to this time last year. And you can see there, if you're watching on Blaze TV, in parentheses, I have their current vaccination rate. Let's start with Iceland. 77% of the people that are fully vaccinated. Cases are up 677% from this time a year ago. Deaths remain stable. Denmark, which just said they're reopening their country and canceling all of their COVID restrictions. 74% of Denmark is fully vaccinated. Cases are up 66%. Deaths are up 950% from this time a year ago. In Norway, 66% fully vaccinated. So a little bit higher than what we have here in the U.S. Cases in that country are up 1,067% from this time a year ago. But deaths remain stable. In Finland, 58% fully vaccinated. Cases are up 934%. But deaths remained stable. Finland has a way lower vaccination rate than Denmark. And yet they have stabilized their COVID deaths. How do you make sense of this? They're in the same region. Denmark's the far more vaccinated country. And then there is Sweden, the outlier, not just here in the Nordic regions, but in the world with the way it approached the virus from the very beginning last year. Its vaccination right now, Sweden's vaccination rate on July 23rd was 39%. On September 17th, it grew to 62%. 
So Sweden is, is one of the most aggressive vaccinating countries in the world right now. And its vaccination rate is almost identical to our own. Cases in that country are up 40, 20, 427% from the first week of September a year ago. But deaths remain stable. How do you make sense of that, of these numbers from this region? Let's look at one more set of numbers here. These are the five most fully vaxxed countries in the world as of Friday, September the 17th. Fully vaxxed. And this is where they are with their numbers compared to this time last year. And again, I want to remind you that the source for all these numbers is the World Health Organization's dashboard for each country comparing the first week of September 2020 with the first week of September 2021. All right. So Malta is the most fully vaxxed country in the world. And cases are down 10%. Deaths stable from last year. The United Arab Emirates. Similar numbers. Cases up 11%. Deaths remain stable. This now is where the fun begins. Portugal. Cases are up 161%. Deaths are up 209% from last year. Singapore. Deaths remain stable, but cases are up in that country. 619% from this time last year. And then Spain. Does it have anything in common with Portugal? Quite a bit. Same seasonality. They border each other. Spain's cases are down 66%, and its deaths are down 42% from this time a year ago. How do you possibly explain the dichotomy of Spain and Portugal? Two of the top five most vac- fully vaccinated countries on earth who literally share a landmass and a border. How do you explain this? So same regionality, seasonality, everything. And again, I want to remind you, all of this data was taken from the World Health Organization's COVID dashboard for each of these countries, which allows you to go back from the very beginning of the pandemic. And we looked at the numbers for the first week of September in each of these places a year ago, to where they are the first week of September this year. The reason we did it like that is because the WHO updates their numbers weekly. And so since we usually have a two-week lag time, right, with hospitalizations and deaths with COVID, we didn't want to go any further than two weeks from where we, or within a two-week window from where we are now. And so that's why I settled on the first week of September. I thought it would give us the most both reliable and recent numbers at the exact same time. So, make sense of this. The floor now belongs to you, gentlemen. Karen, I think I might be more predictable, but if you have anything off. I don't think you can explain this. Um, I I really, I I think the the only plausible explanation is that the virus goes where it will. So you could say, well, in areas where they have a higher degree of natural immunity because of how hard they got, Spain, Sweden didn't lock down, so i.e. you're going to have more natural immunity. Um, 
You would think it, a place like Israel would as well. But uh, they locked down pretty hard. But they still had, they still got hit very hard as well. You could say that, but that just goes back to the virus will go where the virus will go. Um, it's, it's where do you think you're going to have more access to vitamin D, natural vitamin D, Spain or Sweden? Well, probably Spain, closer to the equator, mm-hmm. further south. Mm-hmm. Where do you think you're going to have more access to vitamin D, Israel or Sweden? Probably Israel. So then why are Spain and Israel so disparate in their outcomes here? I don't know what the principal vaccine manufacturer was for Spain or if they had several available in Spain. I know in Israel it's Pfizer. Don't know what it is in Sweden either. They might have a couple of options. But there are way too many variables here, way too many variables here. Seasonality, how hard you actually got hit, um, those those types of things, way too many variables in order to make sense of this data, unless it's just virus is going to virus. I just looked it up, by the way. Spain's original vaccine plan was to use the Janssen vaccine, but now that they have uh, expanded their vaccination, they're actually using four of them, including Pfizer and Moderna. I gotcha. don't know what the fourth one is. I think the most important thing you need to glean from this and then it's space bar space bar space bar as a guy named steve dace uh once said if you would have put these results in front of people one year ago jake jake tapper uh what's her weingarten head of the uh, the teacher head of the teachers union yeah uh, Fauci himself. If you were to put results like this before th- those fiends and said, if these were the outcomes, how many months after mass vaccination now, Steve, eight, began nine. across the world? Eight and eight? Mm-hmm. Was, would this be a success, a so-so, a failure? Is there anybody out there who thinks even they would have said, well, that that's a failure? That's not a vaccine, first of all. It's just not. At best, it's a therapeutic. And based on those numbers, that there, uh, the therapy ain't working so well. And then you, you'd have to ask some questions about, is this vaccine part, actually the bad juju itself? You'd have to start asking that question. But I can't stress enough. Honestly, just ask yourself, put that data if the, in front of those guys. None of them would have said that's what a success looks like. Everybody was banking on this vaccine. That's how we return to normal. Well, here's your new normal. I don't see any way out of that. If you don't start there, you're not a serious person. It looks like Portugal initially... And it was not easy for me in in a quick turnaround here to come up with great information about Portugal's vaccination program. From what I've been able to glean, it looks like they originally launched with a senior-focused program uh, back in March and April using AstraZeneca. And what they've done to expand now beyond that to the rest of the population, I I don't I don't know. I don't know if they've they're using more products or not. 
So what is, if, if I walked in and showed you this data and you were in charge of a country or a state or a corporation, what question would you ask me in response to this data? You're mulling over whether to mandate vaccines, whether to recommend them, which ones to recommend, right? You're in the executive chair. You're in the captain's chair. You're going to make the big decisions around here. And I show you this data because we're running short on time. What is one big question you would ask me in response to it? Age stratification. Sorry, Aaron. That's mine. I, I'm not trying to be a, a smart aleck here. Um, I, I would say who, who, who gets the, the blame for this? Who is at, who is at fault? Who is at risk? For, for for this data here. Is it me? Okay, fine. I don't really care. That's the question I, if putting myself in their shoes, yeah. that's not the question I would ask, but yeah. putting myself in their shoes. Age stratification for what specifically? Todd? But, well, again, uh, the young, the old, who is this? Yeah, but I mean of the hospitalizations, of the cases, of et, et, well, et cetera. Here, it, it, within this context, we've been told a lot that the unvaccinated are hospitalized at like 17 times the rate of the vaccinated. Yeah, Israel's numbers this. are nowhere near that, by, by the way. way. But this is how you playing with numbers is possible to scare the living hell out of you. Did you also know that the rate, that for, and this is without age stratification, the risk of being unvaccinated and going to the hospital is one in 700? That's incredibly low. Now it turns into one into something with the vaccine early on while it's efficacious. But they don't tell you that number. Even if you're unvaccinated, you're not walking around with the virus inside you. You're likely not going to go to the especially if you're not old and have comorbidities. That's what I would ask. What disturbs me about this, again, as a data guy, as an analytics guy, is the total and complete randomness. Okay. I, I think I can explain Spain or Portugal somewhat with natural immunity. Portugal had a massive lockdown in response to what was going on in Spain. So the virus ran its way through the Spanish population at a higher rate than it did the Portuguese. I, I think that would account for some of it at least. But still, that was a year ago that that happened in Spain. I don't know that it accounts for that drastic of a of a of a demarcation. I am I I will be watching Sweden closely the next few weeks. Because I want to see if deaths remain because we all ever we all celebrated that the deaths were decoupled from the from the growing cases in the UK back in July, right? We were all right. celebrating and notice no one talks about that anymore, right? right. Cuz that's not the case any longer. They're not decoupled anymore. So does this continue to happen in Sweden? Because a lot of these countries, when the cases began to climb for the first few weeks, it looked like there was going to be a decoupling between the cases and deaths in light of the higher vaccination rate. And what we ended up seeing in these places is, is, is the longer that the cases grew, eventually deaths and hospitalizations didn't grow as much, but eventually their, their lag curve began to ascend at the exact same time. If Sweden's remains remains flat, we'll get some answer. If it doesn't, though, then there aren't any good answers for anybody. So, Ryan Cole is next.
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can do so by emailing us, Steve at SteveDace.com. D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, where we will lie to you with our hashtag, Facebook Approved Takes. I just lie to you because that's what Fakebook wants on their site, our lies. So, you know me, I, I give the audience what it wants in my own special way with hashtag Facebook approved takes. If you want to know what I really think though, on social media, follow me on Twitter at Steve day show, or look for my name on MeWe, parlor gab and getter. You can also look for clips of the show that are both free to watch and then free of big tech censorship. When you go to rumble.com slash Steve day show again, rumble.com slash Steve day show. And for those of you that listen to the show via podcast. Thank you. We appreciate uh, the role that you have played in the explosive growth of our program in the last year plus. Please, if you wouldn't mind, if you haven't done these things already, give us a five-star review and then also hit subscribe or follow whichever platform you accessed our podcast through. Thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. And you know, we've got a lot of things to be stressed out about these days. However, stressing out about your male pattern baldness doesn't have to be one of them or your receding hairline if you don't want it to be. Maybe you've decided, you know what, when it goes, I'm going to let it go. That's cool too. But if you don't want to let it go, uh, you want to make sure to get a hold of our friends over at Keeps where they will offer the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but you're going to get the generic versions. So you're only going to pay about half the cost. And then there's all that convenience. Everything's done online. Answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed physician will recommend your, after reviewing your info, the right hair loss treatment for you. And then even more savings to get you started. Half off your very first order, 50% off when you go to keeps.com slash grow. K-E-E-P-S or keeps.com slash grow. Half off, generic versions, convenient, you can't beat it. Keeps.com slash grow. Well, it's been one too many a moon since we last had our guest here with us today. His name is Dr. Ryan Cole, and he joins us again here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Ryan, good to see you. How are you, brother? Super duper. Good to see you again, Steve. If you wouldn't mind, it's been a while. Could you kind of reset your street cred for our audience here before we delve into this conversation? Certainly. Ryan Cole, board-certified pathologist, trained at the Mayo Clinic. I uh, do anatomic and clinical pathology. Those are my board certifications, subspecialty in dermatopathology. I have PhD work in immunology. Done about 125,000 plus COVID tests this year, seen about 350,000 patients uh, diagnostically through my career. So uh, studied uh, COVID quite a bit uh, this past year, and it's an area of expertise that I like sharing and uh, teaching. In other words, you're smart and not SMRT. You're smart with the A, as we say when my kids were little, right? Ryan is smart with the A. Okay. I'm grateful for my education. (laughs) All right. I want to begin. There, there's there's three or four questions I I've, I have to get answers from you too before we let you go here at twelve thirty. All right, but I want to begin with a baseline to start a conversation for, from first, because you know I I'm a data and analytics uh, philosophy guy. Okay, so even though I don't even know what some of the words you just said mean, all right, I do know uh, what arguments mean, and I do know how to spot fallacies in data and argumentation. And when I, when I review some of the data I'm about to show you, it reminds me when I read and reread the Imperial College of London survey last March. 
And after you get over the initial shock of it and the emotion, and then you take a deep breath and read through it again analytically, you just spot all kinds of argumentative fallacies all over the place in this thing, beginning with their acknowledgement they don't know actually how the virus is primarily spread. But other than that, follow all of their recommendations about what to do in, in light of the spread of the virus. <laughs> okay? So on Friday, I looked through a bunch of vaccine data around the world. I just shared this with our audience. And this is all from the World Health Organization's COVID dashboard for all of these countries. And it's from the first week of September, given the typical two-week lag that we have in reporting and then also hospitalization curves and, and, and death curves and the WHO updates weekly. I didn't want to go any more recent than the first week of September, but I wanted to get as recent as I could. And the WHO's dashboard allows me to go look at what things were the first week of September last year. Okay? So last year... Less natural immunity all over the world. No vaccines anywhere in the world. Fair? Okay? Fair. All right, let's look at some numbers. I'm just going to lay these out, and then I want your take. In Israel, where over 80% of adults are fully vaccinated with Pfizer, Israel had 130% more cases the first week of September compared to last year, 56% more deaths than at this time last year, too. Let's look at Nordic countries to explore seasonality. Iceland, 77% fully vaccinated. Cases are up 677%, but deaths are stable. Denmark, 74% fully vaccinated. Cases are up 66%. Deaths are up 950%. Norway, 66% fully vaccinated. Cases are up 1,067%. Deaths, deaths are stable. In Finland, 58% fully vaccinated. Cases are up 934%. Deaths stable. In Sweden, 62% fully vaccinated. Cases are up 427%, deaths stable. Keep in mind, this is not their season. Their seasonality is still to come here in the winter months. And they have all these, all these places have seen some variation of an explosive case growth. Let's look at the top five most fully vaxxed countries in the world as of September 17th. Malta, cases are down 10%, deaths are stable. The United Arab Emirates, cases are up 11%. Deaths are stable. Portugal, cases are up 161%. Deaths are up 209%. Singapore, cases are up 619%. Deaths are stable. Spain, which shares a landmass with Portugal. Down, cases are down 66%. Deaths are down 42%. So what... what what I look for as an as a data analyst, Ryan, I look for patterns. Okay, I I, I look for I want to see a, a premise backed up by the conclusion so that I can see if I can spot a fallacy. You know what I don't like to see when I look at different samples of things? Randomness, just things that don't make any sense that are just completely and totally random. And there's a hell of a lot of randomness in that data there, brother. Particularly Spain and Portugal. How in though I can maybe partially explain it with the fact in response to what happened in Spain, Portugal did a draconian lockdown. Its natural immunity levels are likely lower or behind some form of an epidemiological curve to Spain, but they're that far behind that they're literally sharing a landmass and the numbers are that dramatically different. What disturbs me is I don't see as an analyst any uniformity in these numbers at all. So you're the expert, though. You tell me what I'm seeing. That's my day job as well. Uh, you know, through the microscope here, through blood tests, through uh, everything I do, it's patterns, patterns, patterns as well. And what you are seeing there is inconsistency and randomness. So 
if we had a sterilizing vaccine that were st uh, that was stopping the virus, we wouldn't be seeing this. So obviously the vaccines aren't sterilizing. They're more of a therapy. They got approved as a vaccine until obviously the uh, government agencies recently changed the definition of a, what, what a vaccine is, which was an interesting sleight of hand in the last couple of weeks. Um, a, a vaccine should uh, allow one to be immune. And we're not seeing that. So hence all the breakthrough because number one, it was designed for the Wuhan spike and we're on to Delta. So essentially the the virus has escaped the protein that we were vaccinating against. It was neutralizing early on. Now we have binding non-neutralizing antibodies. We have a lot more viral load. Um, the vaccinated can carry equal or higher volumes of virus than the unvaccinated. So, you know, we basically have a cloud of virus everywhere. Delta is a wildfire. It's fascinating data-wise if you look at some of the least vaccinated countries, take for example, India, who burned through Delta, had a very, very low population vaccination rate, and now in many provinces have 60 to 75% uh, seroprevalence in antibodies. They got through it. And I, I think, you know, if you look at Spain versus Portugal in some regions of Spain, they're very into early treatment. They've done a lot of the early treatment uh, prevention protocols. So that may explain some of Spain because there are groups out of there doing the randomized controlled trials with the drugs that shall not be named. But <laughs> I, think, I think that's why you're seeing some of that better outcome in Spain than you are in the neighboring countries. Um, because they're willing to treat early and that's what saves lives in this pandemic. And we're kind of in this strange scenario where, look, the vaccinated are going to get sick, so are the unvaccinated. It's an equal opportunity virus to both populations now and early treatment saves lives in both of those groups. But yes, the, the data is random. If this were a, a very effective approach, we've been playing whack-a-mole with the shot and, you know, booster, booster, booster. But but it's the wrong booster to the wrong protein and the wrong virus at this point. Were you surprised at the overwhelming vote against another round of boosters by the FDA on Friday? And I was great. Go ahead. I was, great. I was grateful they did that because that was the right thing to do to vote against that because there's no science that shows they work. In Israel, they're already having breakthrough on their third booster. And again, it goes, it goes back to the virus. If you look at this spike down at the bottom of it where the antibodies were neutralizing in the Wuhan um, variant, now that we're on to Delta, when you have these little antibodies that bind but don't neutralize, now the virus can get gulped into your inflammatory cells um, and Trojan horse itself in and actually replicate at a higher rate in your in inflammatory cells. It is an early signal of antibody-dependent enhancement. There are several studies that are showing that now. The Oxford study that showed a 251-fold increase of viral load between the healthcare workers that had been vaccinated, and then they genotyped the virus in these individuals, and it was the vaccinated literally passing virus back and forth to each other. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's explainable because what we have done is obviously made a shot that was you know, partially effective at, at symptomatology, like I said, acts more as a therapy, but these boosters are, are the, it's the wrong protein for the wrong virus in circulation now. So the fact that they canceled that was brilliant. They had to cancel it. You've touched on several of the questions I had on my list. We had to get answers from you before we let you go. All right. So let, let me, let me try to get to as, as, as to each of these one by one. You mentioned the term uh, antibody-dependent enhancement, or ADE. 
Can you explain that to our audience? And then what does the term leaky vaccine mean? Okay, so if you're giving a vaccine, um, you want the body to respond to that vaccine with a broad cohort of antibodies that are going to, every time it sees the virus, bind to that virus, neutralize it, sterilize it, and then your immune Pac-Man cells gobble it up and say, okay, every time I see that again, I'm going to recognize that virus. This family of viruses, this is where we've gone anti-science this past year. Coronaviruses always mutationally drift at a steady rate. There's a reason we don't have a vaccine against HIV 40 years later. And it has a similar spike that antigenically mutationally drifts over time. So to be chasing this family of viruses with this type of shot, um, just from a science point of view, doesn't make sense. There's a reason we've never had a coronavirus vaccine before. And going forward, we need to just step back and say, well, what's the science of this family of viruses? That's the science. Now, when it comes to ADE, we saw this in SARS-CoV-1 and MERS. And these were traditional vaccines. These weren't even gene-based gene vaccines. These were just killed proteins. We took a spike protein. So what happens is you give that spike protein, animal makes an antibody, and they go, hey, look, antibodies, hooray, we have immunity. But when that mutational drift happens in the shape of that spike protein, and now the wild type virus is present, the immune system says, well, I kind of recognize that, but I don't. I'm going to try to bind to it and attack it, and it, it can bind to it, but there's certain parts of that antibody that are supposed to turn off so your Pac-Man cells eat it. Those signals don't turn off, and instead, they make it look yummy to your Pac-Man cells, and your Pac-Man cell says, huh, I think I'm just gonna, I'll let that in. And now that's that Trojan horse effect. Now, not only is it replicating in your mucosal cells, in your lung cells, it's replicating in your inflammatory white cells as well. So it's basically a Trojan horse, and now, now the virus has free reign to replicate at even higher and higher and higher rates. And I mean, there's about four other really technical uh, enhancement mechanisms, but I won't go through that because it would be a medical lecture for a couple hours. But anyway, the, the, the point being, if you have a good antibody, great, it will help clear any pathogen. Mm -hmm. Very fingerprint specific to that pathogen. If you have an antibody you formed, that was good at first, but now because the virus has mutated, you're down the road and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Now it acts as your enemy. And now the virus can be present in much higher copy. And hence, you know, those healthcare workers were carrying tons more virus than they would have otherwise. So we're literally making an antibody and then we're enhancing the volume and potentially the disease in those individuals with that. So it's an antibody-dependent enhancement of disease. And that creates the notion of a leaky vaccine. Correct. And Correct. a leaky vaccine means simply it doesn't do uh, – a real vaccine is going to give you immunity. Mm -hmm. A leaky vaccine may decrease a few symptoms, but it's not stopping the next generation, next generation, next generation of that virus. So we call it leaky because we're not really giving the population immunity. So, I, so I, I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. So now literally we're just, okay, it helped in some people decrease the symptom and maybe it helped decrease some hospitalizations. Wonderful. But now we still have this antibody floating in a lot of people's bodies that another virus comes along and instead of being a good antibody becomes a bad one. Does that explain a, a data point? So Michigan right now, I think, is probably providing the best breakdown 
on its dashboard of co- of, of vaxxed via unvaxxed. Because some states will tell you what's going on now. Some states just want to, you know, they want to dress the vaccines up. So they only tell you the cumulative number since January. Michigan's offering both. And what you see in Michigan is that from the time they launched their vaccination effort in mid-January until about the 1st of August, Ryan, when Delta then became ascendant all over the country, what you see is Michigan was averaging just about three COVID hospitalizations per day of people who claim to be fully vaxxed. In the last 30 days, that number has tripled to over nine. Does mm-hmm. that, does that, is that, is that a data point that says to somebody like you, that is, that is evidence, prima facie evidence of a leaky vaccine potential? It's an early signal, yes. Yes. And then if you look definitely at Israel, where just about everybody in the ICU has been double vaxxed, and then you look at their death rates, vaxxed versus unvaxxed, we're, we're a couple months behind these other countries on those data points because we had a rollout of these shots a little bit later than other countries. So everybody's blaming it on the vaccinated or the unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And really, it's a pandemic of under early treatment. That's really what we're experiencing in this unwillingness to treat a very treatable um, inflammatory clotting disease. But yeah, those data points you see now, though all those ratios in the next month or two are going to shift because we've already seen it happen around the world. And that same pattern, depending on if you're four or six months out from that shot, you are still in that uh, window of susceptibility to still get COVID. So again, a pivot in the thinking is like, look, the vaccinated and unvaccinated are equal opportunities acquirers of the virus going forward. And we need to say, okay, if we're honest, what do we need to do? We need to early treat these patients if we're gonna save their lives. All right, there's four questions I've got to get answers remaining uh, from you, if we can. Uh, number one, this is my fear. And if I'm wrong, I want to be wrong about this. And so slap me around right here on the show, okay? But I have been warning my audience the last few days. Do not actually root for if Now, there's not a lot of layman's research on leaky vaccines. Admittedly, Google doesn't want to make that information readily available. So if you go back like five pages of results, you can find like an article in Nature from 2015 or something about it. All right. But there's not much. So but given what I was limited, able to research and glean, I don't think a leaky vaccine necessarily is something to root for because my read on it is that. What they should do, of course, in that case, is stop mass vaccinating, right? My read, though, is they won't do that. They'll just keep vaccinating over and over again. We'll create more and more ADE, stronger and stronger, more resistant variants. And then if you don't have natural immunity whatsoever, you you could have maybe gambled on this a year ago with your God-given immune system, looked at the age stratification and said, I I don't smoke, I'm not diabetic, I'm not 78, you know, and I just think there's a lot less of a risk for me than there is of an experimental injection. But if the vaccine's leaky and they keep vaccinating over and over and over again and they don't replace it with some Salkian-level immunization, and then we just have ADE that just creates worse and worse variants, they almost corner you into a position where, unless you've got documented natural immunity, you're out there, man, with your you-know-what flopping in the wind from an immunological standpoint. Please tell me I'm wrong about that. I wish you were. I wish you were wrong. Um, there are two things to study, and again, these are long lectures. Merrick's, M-A-R-E-K-S, Merrick's mm-hmm. chickens. Have your audience study that. Uh, Google Dengavaxia, the dengue vaccine in the Philippines, and see what happened with that. Those are two very... Um, 
I think, ominous harbingers of things to come. So we need to study those. Um, no, we shouldn't have a one-size-fits-all approach. If somebody is 78 and all those risk factors you list, it's a, it listed, it's, it's a risk-benefit analysis for each individual. You know, maybe it will help those individuals have a, a lesser case of disease, but we can't, you know, pigeonhole every age group and risk category into everybody gets a vax. That's not what you do with a virus like this, especially with a vaccine that is starting to fail the Delta variant. So we need to look and say, okay, look, the zero to 20 age group, the pediatric age group, the damage done uh, statistically in those groups is higher than the hospitalizations and deaths. So to be pushing a vaccine for a group that's not at risk for a virus is medically ill-advised. Uh, going up another age group, same thing. It's not until you get into the older cohorts where you start to see there may be some benefit in terms of hospitalization and death. So it's a risk-benefit analysis for each individual and their underlying health conditions. So this is not a one-size-fits-all because if we do roll it out, we end up with a Merrick's chickens pattern where the virus becomes more and more and more virulent each generation, and then we become vaccine-dependent mm -hmm. for viruses that we can't vaccinate against, never have, never right. will be able to. And, and this is the science that's being lost on this. So it's a risk-benefit analysis, and, and we're not allowing society to assess and choose for themselves their own risk and benefit. What I see, what, what I see governments and, and pharmaceuticals doing here is, is similar to what's been done from a budgetary standpoint. Once you begin, once you implement a progressive taxation system so that you can then spend money, so your, your currency is no longer tethered or coagulated or, 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 or tied together with a, with, a, with, a, with a demonstrative asset. You can print money via fiat. You then start spending money you don't have. You go into debt. Now your, your, your expenditures, your, 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 your outliers are more than you bring in. So what do you have to do? You don't cut spending. You just keep printing more money. And this goes on year after year after year after year until inflation and, uh, and you've devalued your currency. That is my fear. I've, I've been telling people in our audience, if you do not want to be forced to risk these vaccines, do not, risk, do not root for a leaky vaccine because they will then say, you're right, it's a leaky vaccine. Because how did I get that? It says right at the end of the article about Merrick's disease I read in Nature. And that's exactly why we had to keep getting vaccinated. We admit our vaccines made the, the Merrick's disease worse. And that's why I had to keep getting vaccinated and boosters over and over again. Because once the cycle starts, we don't stop it. That is that is my fear, is that if it, if it is true ADE, they will put people that right now may lack immunity in a corner that you were not in previously. Am I wrong about that? No, you're correct. And we have this unfortunate sunk cost bias uh, that we've sunk everything into this one-size-fits-all approach uh, to the detriment of repurposed medic medicines and drugs to the detriment of understanding the disease itself as a, as a clotting inflammatory disease. I have colleagues in other countries who end up with the patient on day seven and they can treat the inflammation, treat the clotting, and they have phenomenal results. So we just keep on this, this one size fits all approach, this sunk cost bias is not going to get us out of it. And, and unfortunately, these, these industries have been allowed to do this uh, without long-term safety and uh, safety data. And, and that long-term safety data, history is the best teacher of all. We have the history of what happens in cases like this, and we're not taking that prudent mm -hmm. approach to 
here's the science, here's the data. Like you said, you're a data analyst, as am I. And we look at the data and say, this is imprudent. It's time to shift gears, pivot, and focus on things that do work. Um, and again, across the board, there's not one treatment for one group and one for another. There's a bunch of different ones for different age groups. And we need to look at that. And you brought up the most important point of all, and that's we do have a lot of natural immunity in our population. I know you had a great episode on that the other day. Natural immunity trumps. The fact that we don't have alphabet agency officials that, that understand immunity, um, the fact that they haven't seen patients, we have a Surgeon General not seeing patients, hasn't treated a single COVID patient, Dr. Fauci doesn't treat patients, et cetera. They're giving advice that's completely anti-science. Natural immunity is and always has been the best immunity of all, and it's broad, it's long-lasting, it's durable. Look at SARS-CoV-1, 18 years later, the people that had SARS-CoV-1 still have T-cell memory. So this virus is 78% sequentially the same, it's gonna be the same here. Those who have natural immunity, those are the golden people with the golden paths in our society. Look, your chance of getting it again are about, you know, chance of growing hen's teeth. Um, your chance of getting it again are about one in a hundred million. There's really no good documented cases of a double sequenced uh, case in a patient who's had COVID two times, maybe in an immune suppressed individual. That's why they had the memory hole. If they had that, they would have they would have done that last year instead of memory holing natural immunity. They would have done that yeah, this yeah. year instead of trying to deny it and dismiss it until 72 hours ago, Anthony Fauci suddenly rediscovered natural immunity. That's what they would have done instead right. if they had that. Yes. All right. One last question I got to ask you because I know your time is short and I want to be respectful because we could talk to you for three hours, but the blaze won't let me do that either. <laughs> uh, this is a question that no one has asked that I think we must get an answer to. What happens to the viral load of the vaccinated? You know, last year's lockdowns were all were all predicated on a canard, the fear of asymptomatic spread of a respiratory virus. And as Fauci told you last February, that's not how respiratory viruses are spread. He was right about that. Every study I read last year showed maximum 8% of cases were asymptomatic spread. Most of them were even in the low single digits, all right? My fear is that if the vaccinated are now carrying around, even if even if they, these therapeutics hold up against severe infection for them, if they're walking around with these massive viral loads, are, are we actually going to create now, the we're going to have a self-fulfilling prophecy of asymptomatic spreaders now? Is that possible, Ryan? It's not only possible, it's happening. And that's that uh, Oxford Vietnam study in healthcare workers where they actually documented higher viral loads. Uh, it's the leaked document from the Washington Post from the CDC meeting saying, look, we're seeing uh, equal viral loads in the vaccinated. Um, it's just a, a plain and simple fact. They don't, when, when you get a vaccine, there's an important antibody. We all hear about our IgG in our body and whatnot. But in natural infection, you make an IgA antibody in your tears, your nose, your mouth. And so the COVID recovered, they're able to bind and neutralize mm -hmm. that virus very quickly. You make, I mean, tens of thousands of antibodies per, per every couple minutes in these locations. In the vaccinated, you don't have high levels of IgA. Hence, they can get a lot of virus. They're not neutralizing it in these entry sites. And hence, they do become literally a super spreader and carrying high volumes of virus. And to your point, they may have fewer symptoms. They don't even know they're carrying. And so this non sequitur of, oh, it's the unvaccinated, um, scientifically, no. Um, the vaccinated are equal opportunity or higher opportunity carriers of high viral loads. And, and to your point, we only have data really up through August. We need to reset our data sets and do better, better studies since Delta hit because this whole Delta is changing a lot of what we're seeing. So yes, the vaccinated can carry high viral loads. 
Why can't I ever be right about the good stuff? <laughs> Why am I always right about the bad stuff? Ryan, it, I wish I could tell you it's been a pleasure, but I think you know that it hasn't. All right. But we appreciate and, and uh, you and, uh, and your contribution and your expertise uh, and uh, you're willing to tell the truth. Thank you, brother. God bless you. All right. Take care. Thank you, Steve. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Omega XL, because I would imagine a whole bunch of people have some pain right now you didn't know you had about 25 minutes ago, all right? Uh, and I probably can't help you with that, all right? But if you're struggling with the chronic pain, which is what's usually the cause of too much inflammation in the body, this is what happens when you've got lingering soreness in places like your back, your knees, your neck, uh, your shoulders, et cetera. Chances are that's inflammation. You're looking for an all-natural and effective anti-inflammatory backed by 35 years of clinical research, which is exactly what I use. And it's called Omega XL. And right now, if you want to give it a shot, they're offering buy one, get one for free. Buy your first bottle, get a second one for free. When you head over to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, Omega, just like it sounds, OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. After I, after I laid out a leaky vaccine scenario, I have probably gotten a, a few hundred emails from people angry, uh, under, think I'm, what I'm saying is counterintuitive, didn't make sense. And thankfully, Ryan Cole was here to explain what I was trying to say better, but we're not thankful that it turned out that what I feared was correct. So what did all this mean moving forward? We'll sit around, the three of us now, and uh, discuss it here together next. just saw that uh, Angelo Codevilla has passed away. And, you know, on one of our special shows during Aaron's paternity, we featured one of his final works talking about the future of uh, the right in America, the future of Trump and his movement. And we spent an entire show on it. Uh, Angelo Codevilla's piece uh, a decade ago about the ruling class. Uh, for my money, I think he's the, he's the most profound and prescient thinker the right has produced since Thomas Sowell. And uh, uh, he will absolutely be missed. So wanted to mention that before we continued on. Also need to mention for you that what if the next time it couldn't happen here, happens here. And this time it's food. Are you prepared? Well, that's where you can make a smart investment with top quality emergency survival food from our friends at My Patriot Supply. Their food is specially packaged to stay fresh for up to 25 years with proper storage and you're going to be able to eat and eat well while everybody else around you uh, might be struggling to, to do what we have long as Americans gotten to take for granted. And if you act right now, you get $50 off a four-week emergency food supply from My Patriot Supply, 50 bucks in savings, for a handy kit that gives you breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and even snacks. For a total of 2,000-plus calories a day, you will not go hungry for sure. $50 off right now, that four-week emergency food supply from My Patriot Supply for each person in your family. Go to preparewithdace.com to take advantage of this offer and give yourself peace of mind. D-E-A-C-E for preparewithdace.com. I wonder if we should just run Aaron's montage again uh, after that conversation with Ryan Cole. 
But we need to know the truth. And I'm not kidding you. Hundreds of you have emailed me in the last few days. So you're telling us it's a leaky vaccine and we're, that means we might actually have to get the vaccine. That doesn't make any sense. That's because you, you are operating from a different paradigm than the people making the decisions. See, you live in a world where when you're, when you're digging yourself a hole, the system around you demands you put down the shovel. You will not be bailed out. You will not receive a subsidy. You will not be rewarded for failure. People will not ban neighbors or friends of yours that notice your shortcomings and failures from communicating them to others in mass. You don't get to live in a world shielded by that. But the people making the decisions do. They're not going to stop mass vaccinating. Barring an act of God. So if you have a leaky vaccine, this, it, it, that's why I use the budget example with Ryan Cole. That's the best example I could give you. Right? Our government's been in debt your entire life, right, Aaron? Yep. Our entire lives as well, Todd? Yep. In fact, the last time we even had a budget for that singular year that balanced was the last fiscal year of the Clinton era. So this century, we haven't even produced a budget that within that fiscal year balanced, let alone all the national debt that's been accruing ever since then. Now, you and I don't get to live this way, okay? Sooner or later, if somebody comes to us and says, yeah, we're going to we're gonna start taking assets because you owe. That, the, they don't live that way. They just print more money, build more weapons, point them at different people, and print more money and spend it. And that's how you end up trillions of dollars in debt. That's how you end up with enough debt that you could, you could stack dollar bills from here to Uranus, the planet in this case, and back and still have some left over. You end up there because they live outside of these natural laws. They just keep printing. And then the rest of us are like, well, you know what? I, I, have to, I guess I have to get on Medicare. I don't have a choice. They won't let me say, they won't let me absolve my, they won't let me say, hey, just give me my social security money and I'll invest it where I want and do it. I'll just exempt myself. No, you don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. And you do this generation after generation after generation and the beauty of the welfare state is everybody's got a suckling spot on the teat. Everybody's in on it now. Everybody's taking something from the government now. So there's no point to ever getting rid of or cutting government. No one can afford to have that happen to them. They're doing the immunological equivalent of that is what Ryan is saying. That's what a leaky vaccine is. If you persist in mass vaccinating with a leaky vaccine, you actually strengthen that which you're up against. You put people who did not have pre-existing immunity, you've really backed them into a corner, man. So take the vaccine that is increasing the ADE, so I'm playing a role in this getting worse. Or I'm totally unprotected while it gets worse around me and there's nothing I can do about it. That's the same Faustian bargain Faustian choices that the government has put us in for generations. All right, I'll take this construction job that's deficit spending that'll be passed on to my kids and grandkids that, that there's no real market for. They're just doing this as a handout to their union buddies. I'll take the job because I need the money. Because if I don't take that job, we starve. 
On the other hand, I know by taking it, I'm just passing on inflation to my grandkids who aren't even born yet. But if I don't take it, somebody else will. You guys get the analogy I'm drawing here? This is what they're doing, is what Ryan Cole says. If it's a leaky vaccine, that's why I'm telling you. If you think the leaky vaccine is your get-out-of-jail-free card to exempt yourself from all that is going on right now, it's not. You don't want a leaky vaccine. You don't want that. That's actually the worst-case scenario because they won't do, in that case, what must be done, which is you cease mass vaccination. You continue. You start all over again. You go back to the people that are the most vulnerable. Make sure they have as much immunity as possible, and then you just wait for natural immunity to catch up or a better vaccine. They won't do that, folks. They won't. Not without an act of God. And so if it's a leaky vaccine, that is not the golden ticket. That's the worst case scenario. Because they'll put you in a position that the the power is out of your hands, really. You're not doing a risk calculation anymore. Because the severity of the virus will just increasingly get worse. Why am I always right about bad stuff? Can you guys, how many years have y'all worked here? Seven. Has there ever been a time I like thought something really optimistic and brought an expert on and said, what do you guys think? He's like, oh yeah. Has that ever happened like ever? It's been a while if it has. This is worse than when Dr. Robert Malone, the original patenter of mRNA, messenger RNA vaccines, admitted on my show that he thought it was possible, my theory, that the origin of the virus is actually the creation of vaccines for the next SARS-MERS which would therefore actually make it a variant. It's a vaccine. It is. Which would also then create more ADE by strengthening future variations. And he said, yeah, I think that's a plausible theory. You guys remember that a couple months ago? Mm -hmm. I thought that was bad. This is worse. Because at least previously, we saw plenty of evidence that even if it is wholesale manufactured in a lab, it is still beholden to some form of natural law. We're even seeing it now with natural immunity clearly superior to vaccinated immunity. If they keep going down this road, however, keep in mind we're dealing with a company in Moderna that has attempted nine previous messenger RNA vaccines. Eight of them failed so miserably they did not even move on to human mass human testing. The ninth they did, and then it still couldn't go to market. They're actually, they're making, from what I have seen, the most efficacious of all of the messenger RNA vaccines. And this is the first time they've ever brought a product to market ever, ever. They were previously 0 for 9. So no, leaky vaccine. Do not be anxious for them to announce, yeah, it's a leaky vaccine. Don't be anxious for that. That's not going to be your, oh, wow, the truth wins. No, that's going to be your Rob Bell love wins. The heresy will triple down then. Because that's the last paragraph of the article on Merrick's disease I read. And that's exactly why everybody's got to get vaccinated because the virus is even worse now and you have less protection. Let me stop. Turn it over to the two of you. Go ahead. Say whatever you want on anything. Does the vaccine make you worse? And there are diseases in which you vaccinate someone, they get infected with what you're trying to protect them with, and you actually enhance the infection. You can get a good feel for that 
in animal models. So that's going to be interspersed at the same time that we're testing. We're going to try and make sure we don't have enhancement. It's the worst possible thing you could do is vaccinate somebody to prevent infection and actually make them worse. When do you think that that was filmed? I don't know. I, I don't even, I, Todd, you answer. I, I've. That was March 2020. I knew it. I, that's after, why I knew it was going to be recent. They, yeah. I knew it was going to be recent. I knew it was. Shortly after they announced that they were attempting to develop a vaccine. Th- those are my thoughts. He knows that this is happening. He knows. The NIH knows. They want to wipe out the control group. They want their, I'm sorry, they want to not have a control group, meaning unvaccinated. That's what they're trying to accomplish here. But they know, they probably know at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter because everybody's going to be dependent upon a vaccine in order to avoid this disease that they've never actually had a vaccine for, as Dr. Cole said in the last hour. Well, I've got hope for you, Steve, in a weird way. They're going to lie about this no matter what, leaky or not. So, you know, there's no reason we need to be hoping for one versus the other tactically. I mean, biologically is a different argument. But again, the lie is the point with them. And again, I come from the community. I'll just start wearing the T-shirt. I'll just start printing them and say anti-vaxxer. There's a reason I am that. And was before there was a, a COVID that came along. It's because the lie has always been the point. When Dr. Cole's talking to you about their, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated and all of the issues in the uh, face the where the... Uh, where the body takes on the war. People in my community have known about that for a very, very long time. Why do you think there was a, a, a spike in polio when they started taking tonsils out? It's because the body is this amazing thing that has this advanced system of doing things. And when you bypass that, and hey, who's, this is not to say a blanket, uh, this is not a blanket argument against vaccination, but it is not a natural. Here's the term. It is unnatural. When you bypass it, you don't take disease in through all those systems. You inject it. It's, it's going, it has a chance of being inefficient at, at best. And at worst, all the things Steve is scared about. But here's where the resolve comes from, Steve, because, uh, and the hope, because you, you haven't been in this community. It's growing. It's clearly growing in Europe. The difference between the analogies you're making is that they're going to have to grab you. They're going to have to hold you down. And unlike the pay, the money taken out of your check that you, you just don't even see and it's passive, they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to hold you down. They're going to have to hold your kids down. And they're going to have to plunge that needle in your arm. And there has, the resolve inside the anti-vax community is something that is viciously strong and bipartisan in a way that exceeds anything I've experienced in my life. That group I'm a part of is on the left, it's on the right, and now it is growing. So all of your concerns and frustrations are duly noted and appropriate. 
but there is a light in the darkness. This is a place where people plant their flag that flag that I've seen many, many times before, and that community is growing. And I don't think they're going to stand for it. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know when it's going to take. But th- that math, that, wait, the thing that you created has caused it to get worse, and you want me to take it? Plus, there's, rather- a, there's also time. Like I told you, the unvaccinated without stratifying for age or comorbidities right now go to the hospital one in 700. They want you to be terrified like that. It's Yes, it's 17 times more, but if you have 17 in the hospital versus one, and that's it. That's that's not let your hair on fire time. The, the, I appreciate the pick-me-up. The, 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 the issue that, that you have to face that coincides with this, though, and it's the reason why I ask these two things back-to-back, is because... You have a second weapon potentially pointed at your head now in the viral load of the fully vaccinated. So it's not just that you have potentially an antibody-dependent enhancement making strengthening the virus, making future variants mm-hmm. more persistent. It's that at the same time, you've got the people that are vaccinated walking around with viral loads even asymptomatically that then point another gun at your at your immune system at the exact same I know. time okay I, the, there's just never been anything like this on a mass scale in a in a technologically advanced society in Which all is, of human history we, let alone on a global freaking scale like they're doing right now i know but that's what allow for the minority that I've been a part of for a very long time and that's been waiting for its opportunity, allow it some room to breathe because it'll come out roaring like a lion like nothing you've ever seen. And it's happening in the streets of Europe right now. Then at the same time, they have gone out of their way to discredit and dismiss every single early treatment. I've got a friend of mine right now Mm -hmm. who lives in Tennessee who's in the ER with his pregnant wife right now and they, they're telling her because she's pregnant, they don't want to inject her with the monoclonal antibodies. They want to give her remdesivir, which is a garbage drug, all right? Best case scenario is it doesn't work. Think we, didn't we have a study out of the University of Iowa or something about what the worst case scenario with that is? They, 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 I'm just... You know what? At this, point, at this point, let's just send people leeches. Why don't we just, just send everybody copper plates and leeches while we're at it? We have a respiratory virus from a family of viruses we have studied for decades. And 18 months into this, all the best we can tell you is you have no options but to take an experimental vaccine whose best brand comes from a company that was previously 0 for 9 in bringing products to market before this. And we have no other means or no other way, no, no, we, don't, we don't have no, no other way to know how to treat a respiratory virus in the year 2021. This is barbarism. It is murder. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.